All right, welcome everyone to Pen Pen Pals for another Enemies of Sekiro episode. I'm Alex, and here with me is my co-host, Mimi. Hey. And uh, we are uh, returning to Ashina Castle today. We've done a bunch of heroic things. We we slew the great ape, uh, uh, triumphed over Genichiro at the top of the tower. Well, now we have to ascend that tower one more time. And this time, things have changed, right? Yeah, you can't use any of the idols except the abandoned dungeon one, if if you got that. But yeah, no, it's kind of sus- suspicious. Mm-hmm. So you got to find your way back up to all the places you had visited before. You can't just teleport up there. I wish there was a good in-game reason for this, because obviously it's just a video gamey thing, right? You you trigger this thing, it cuts off all of these sculptors' idols, so you can't teleport there, so that you have to go through something again, because they want to craft your journey a little bit. But there's no, like, reason the sculptors' idols stop working. It's, like, narrative-driven, I'd say. I just wish it was, I wish there was some line about like uh, owl messing with them or something, but then it happens again. So maybe, or maybe the inner ministry is messing with them somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that is our main thing that has changed, right? Like uh, we have through the whole game, we have found inner ministry agents throughout Ashina. Like they're already here, but now they are directly attacking, infiltrating Ashina castle. Uh, and the first one we come across, and the one that's the most different here, is uh, the first Red Guard. Uh, I do like the little scene that plays out when you first find them. because like, Oh, yeah. Want, I think there's one Ashina soldier. Like one fleeing Ashiru. in terror. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's delicious. Um, and if you hold back, if you like keep yourself kind of out of sight or just don't aggro him, the Red Guard will ignore you and he'll go after that guy. I just think it's a great setup because that's your that's your first red guard that you run into. Mm-hmm. And Ashina soldiers throughout the game has been have been set up as like they'll fight you no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, so watching them run from something is like the ultimate setup for. Oh my god, what is it? Yeah, they're like, I'm not afraid of wolf, but I am afraid of this guy with two swords. Have we fought anything else with two swords besides uh, the, the monkey? The monkey, okay. So if if people took the time to fight the the du- double katana monkey, mm-hmm. uh, they should know how terrifying a double sword enemy can be. Oh, they're so sa- they're very satisfying hits, though. Mm-hmm. Don't you think they're like like the way you deflect it, all the sparks that fly off? I think they're just such an aesthetically pleasing enemy to fight. I I just think that their design is great. They're they're a new enemy, so of course you're like. <laughs> of course, you're like, what am I fighting here? But they're they're so sleek. They they got a very sleek design. Oh yeah, so they're they have like blood red armor, mm-hmm. uh, which is one imposing. They have the they are samurai, right? These are a class of of soldier. Yes. So they are also wearing the oni mask, and so yeah, like they strike this terrifying visage, uh, and the way that they. Like they come at you with their arms wide, you know, almost like they're not gonna guard. Come themselves. at me, bro. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I agree with you. The uh, the way that they, what do you call it? The like their attacks are very satisfying. Uh, deflecting them, it can be a little like any enemy. Learning it can be frustrating because you feel like you know how 
uh, an enemy like this is going to attack you about the speed of it, but they deliberately slow some of the attacks and then speed up some of the like follow-up attacks so that you have to learn the timing of this specific enemy. But yeah, when you do block them, it's these big old deflections. And oftentimes like they have specific animations for when you deflect, like they, because it's such a strong hit and you, you know, uh, reverberate it back on them, they recoil with their swords. It's very cool. I'm pretty sure they're actually based on real people because because like this is sen- like fantasy Sengoku Japan. Mm-hmm. They were Inaomasa's pe- uh, people, I'm pretty sure, because um, he had a whole for- force named the Red Devils, oh, okay. um, as well as Inaomasa's helmet having uh, horns. And people were just terrified of them. He was working with Tokugawa Ieyasu where when they say the ministry, you know, the mm-hmm. internal ministry, the central ministry, they they mean the shogunate. Which is most likely Tokugawa, right? Yes, yes. Um, Another really, really famous example of red armor in Japan is Sanada Yukimura. Who is that? He was against the Tokugawa shogunate. Um, mm. He was a really famous warrior in Sengoku Japan. You'll actually see him in a lot of like um uh games. Um he's the one that you've probably you might have actually seen him before. He wears red armor with uh coins on his head cuz his armor is very famous. Mm-hmm. It basically was the six coins you needed to get across the Sanzu River, which is the river of the underworld. Yeah. So that, so that was like you if you saw that armor, it was like yeah, you're going to die. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. That's awesome. Uh, one of my favorite lines in uh, Samurai Champloo is someone says it's only six moaned across that river. But of course, for the the English localization, they they translate it to the river sticks just to because they figure people will get that. Reference. Yes, yes. I'm pretty sure it's the Sanzu River as far as I'm concerned. But it wasn't necessarily synonymous with just those people. They were just definitely the most famous. Mm-hmm. I do think it was closer to Inaomasa because he fought for Tokugawa, mm-hmm. who was the current shogun at the time. Sure. Um. So, yeah. No, that's uh, who they're based on. They have obviously semi-Western designs with the breastplate and cape. They're very, again, they're very sleek. And th- this is only your first look into these guys because you obviously see more later they also have if you notice on the back of their cape this is a hard one to miss but they're again it's more present later mm-hmm. they have the crest of the tokugawa which is the chrysanthemums oh that's so cool um and they are they're wearing the ch- the arm chain mail that we've seen on so many uh frontline soldiers yes they're very very decked out but they are more than likely associated with like shinobi. Um, they're carrying multiple different kinds of bags of something around their waist. Mm. Um, they've also got little bamboo, um, whether that's to drink from, because they have like a little bamboo. So, so that might be just kind of the splinter force that goes in and kind of causes terror. Because mm. if they're carrying like a little water thing, that might just be for the road. That could mm-hmm. be their rations. Um, because they might just infiltrate, beat shit up, and then leave. Real shock troops. Yes. They also are wearing, b- beyond the the red, they're wearing like purple. There's like bits of purple and blue in there. They're very colorful in general. 
but they got the two swords. They're very scary. <laughs> very scary. Uh, and then obviously the black cape. Uh, they just look like death to me. Yes, they do. They're perfect. Uh, by this point, we've gotten the mortal blade. So we already know that red and black is a uh, a, a, a death combination color. Uh, they do have this like facial hair. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's part of the mask. Okay, it's, it it's part, part of the, the mask. mask. Yeah, it's just that you would actually see that pretty often with masks that they had like some sort of facial hair. It's usually made out of horse hair, though. It's just trimmed to look like real facial hair. Uh, another interesting thing is that they have like short swords. They're not long. They're not very, very long swords. They're mm. shorter. So they could be closer to like actual katanas because we we keep seeing nodachis throughout the the game. It's uh, nodachis are almost more common than katanas in. Yeah, I mean, Ashina. Yeah. Although to be fair, like if you look at it and go, uh, you think about the fact that oh, like they're just big dudes with normal size swords for their size, mm-hmm. it might be different. But they have two shorter swords, mm-hmm. so it's just interesting to watch them stalk around. Yeah, they're really great. And they are like, these guys can take on not only like they can make short work of the Shigeru, but like you'll see these guys take on the Chained Ogre. They'll fight the uh, general bosses like these guys are they'll fight anybody. (laughs) So that's the only all new unit we see. Um, But we do find uh, on the rooftops where we were finding a lot of Nightjar, suddenly they have been replaced, possibly slaughtered, by Interministry Shinobis. Yes. There's a bunch of them on the roof now. Uh, in fact, there's a couple that will, they have a new thing they can do, which is call dogs. Yes, and it's interesting that they replace the Nightjars. Mm-hmm. It's basically like they probably took them all out, which is upset, <laughs> kind of sad. To think oh, about the nature are kind of loyal. They're good. They're nice. Yeah, but they um the new ones they have the white hoods. Oh, the new interministry shinobi. Yes. So they might be a different rank, or maybe just a different unit than the uh, the forward yes. single troops that we found before. To be fair, later on in the game, you have one dude who can call dogs, mm-hmm. but he's wearing like a normal lone shadow gear. The dogs themselves, they look a little different. Uh, are they, they're like white furred, right? Yes. And they have little, um, they have little shinobi bands on their head. What is that? What's going it's on? It's basically with- saying that it's like a dog collar. It's like, yeah, those are our dogs. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. I've never seen a dog with a headpiece. Uh, I wonder if that's a real world thing. I actually don't know, but they, they have like the little, the little headpieces. It could be for like protection as well, like armor, you know, just in case like when they're running directly at someone, they don't get shot in the head. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, they have like little cuts all over them, which is sad. Um, but obviously they're they were bred to do a job and they're doing their job. Yeah, they're probably frontline uh uh fighters, and they're also probably uh, storied like this is not their first campaign these no these interministry dogs have probably fought alongside these shinobi before and also they probably have brutal training so the training might be the cause of some of those cuts too i mean they're pretty brutal and they just come in packs but they're very well trained yeah they'll fucking come when you whistle that's crazy i got a dog here won't respond to his own name <laughs> is he part hound or part husky at all no he's a he's a um a Maltese. He's a little little guy. I'm surprised Blake Dog hasn't made a guest appearance on the show yet. 
But yeah, he won't respond to anything. Sometimes if you clap really loud, but he's also old. Aww. He's like 12. So I don't know how good his hearing is anymore. Oh, just a baby. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, eternal puppy. If you want, if you want a lifelong puppy and a hypoallergenic one, Maltese, good way to go. I just have my cat who I, I love to death. <laughs> okay, so these Shinobi are hanging out on the top of the roof. There's a whole bunch of them. There are cool scenes that they set up. That's another thing I love. Like there's several just like combat scenes that they set up in the game that there aren't a lot of them in previous from software games. Like right. there's a couple in Bloodborne and there's a couple in um uh what do you call it? Dark Souls 3 with a few real missed opportunities in Dark Souls 3. But in this there's these awesome uh they really take the opportunity that Time has passed. The inner ministry's plot is uh, moving forward. Yeah, it's in motion. Yeah, exactly. And so they set up these uh, combats where you can watch uh, Ishin students, those uh, uh, high-level swordsmen fighting these shinobi. And like, you get some really cool, uh, uh, if you just sit back and watch, or maybe like puppeteer one of them and get in with yourself, like you can see some really cool interactions. There's one like assassin that people miss. Did you know that? Mm. Tell me about them. Um, I do not remember the dialogue, but it's an inner ministry assassin. And if you go to like the old grave one and go near the bridge that's been blown out, there is one hanging off the edge there. And he he says something about like how the war is going and how. the. <laughs> so I can't remember it off the top of my head, but a lot of people miss it. But he has some like dialogue that you might actually consider important. <laughs> Those backwater Ashina Shinobi took the bait beautifully, not even knowing it was a trap. How dumb can you be? Yeah, I, I definitely missed that assassin. Okay, so there's these new combat scenes we can watch, which is very cool. Yes. Um, there are, there's also a couple of new enemy placements of old enemies. Like there's another chained ogre Mm -hmm. uh, which is down at the bottom of the tower. Yes, the castle, the main, the main, the main hall. Yeah, if you will. Um, and God, I hate that arena. It's not that bad. It's, it's okay. just so it's tight. Fine. I, I try to lure him somewhere else because it's just so tight. I I find it difficult to uh, fight him there. But then again, I still haven't never gotten super good at fighting the chain doggers. I just spam the flame vent at them. But you can. Get that guy to fight several of the uh, Red Guard and you get to see how much damage a Chained Ogre actually does. Because like your HP, it's hard to compare it to enemy HPs because like, I don't know, as a player character, you kind of deal damage in a different way than enemies deal damage. But like, oh my gosh, he can like one shot some of these freaking uh, Red Guard. Right. Um, another mini boss that we can find who technically we found before, but not in this variety, uh, we have the Mibu breathing technique now, which we actually have to use in order to get back into the castle proper, but we can find an utter water headless. Yes. And technically you can fight it as early as right before Genichiro because you can complete Mibu village is the only one you can complete hundred percent. Before you fight Genitro. <laughs> oh, right. Because you can get through Sempo, but you can't get into the Hall of Illusions there. Oh, yes. Yeah, okay. And you can't you can't get through the Gunfort. 
Not, not mm. the entire thing, anyways. You just can't get into the latter part of the Sunken Valley. Mm-hmm. This one's gross. Uh, and you can tell it's like a drowned corpse as opposed yes. to just like the normal headless. They're all um, it's a got, bloated, but this one looks worse. This one's really bloated. It's actually rotting in places. Oh. Um, it's gross. <laughs> it's it's so cursed. Like obviously it's obviously it's supposed to be cursed. But the the un, it's Ungo the is the name of the hero. Mm-hmm. It's a headless spirit of Ungo. So I'm assuming his he was thrown into the moat. But that's and that's why he's down there specifically. Oh, interesting. Oh, maybe like because Ungo is the vitality damage soaker, right? It's the blue one. Yes. Okay. So maybe it was a case of like this guy was so sturdy, so hardy, they couldn't kill him by normal means. So they just said, fuck it, drown him. It says this warrior lost his mind in defense of the state. His attempted mutiny was met with a swift beheading. And the lifeless body sunk to the bottom of the moat. Okay, so yes, he was beheaded and then thrown into the moat. But he was a traitor. He was a traitor to... I'm assuming it's... Because it it, it just says headless are the ruined form of corrupted heroes who once fought for their country. Mm-hmm. Doesn't necessarily mean it has to be Ashina. Mm, could be someone else's country. Yeah, so I'm assuming he's a not an Ashina loyalist. Yeah, maybe he's like a, a, a snake clan insurrectionist. I think he's just, well, if it's for the state, it's probably the shogunate. Oh, interesting. Also, his attacks are way different. I think the underwater ones are a little easier to fight, but his attacks are different. He like throws uh, hair at you. It looks like hair. So great. Which there's actually like a horror game you can play where the boss will throw hair at you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is about throwing hair at you, but. It seems to be a common theme in uh, Japanese horror mythos. Yeah, it's scary. It's also disconcerting because he doesn't have a hair, a head, but he has hair. Yeah, I'm assuming it's like the hair at the nape of the neck. It was pretty long nape of neck hair, but yes, absolutely. I mean, it just depends on how long he's been down there. (laughs) And also he's cursed. Long black hair is synonymous with Onryo. Like long black hair, especially when it's like disheveled. That's like classic Japanese ghost shit right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he'll throw hair at you and then he'll also throw like moonlight blade yeah little 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 currents little whippy currents you know like he um obviously can still inflict terror i -hmm. don't think he can knock your your soul out your butt no (laughs) and i guess the reason they are easier to fight is because you can't activate divine confetti underwater yes you can oh you can you just have to do it at the surface and then dive down yes correct Okay, but I guess it's harder to manage that. And so it's, I think they take more damage. Than I lied, their... he can actually do that. He can pull your, because I'm looking at the guide right now and it says he can. He can still do the... Yeah, because he does the suction. He'll oh. like pull you in and he'll he'll fucking pull it. Wow, they all just pull it out your butt. So you got to do hit and run tactics because he will <laughs> he will mess with that butt of yours. Yeah, go for the butt. I'm in for your ass. <laughs> Bring your sweet ass over here. Yeah. Uh, And then there's also some more. If we continue past him, uh, instead of jumping down into the water or or staying in the water, if we continue past down the tower, past the chained ogre, past the headless, we run down as if we're going back into the sunken valley or as if we're going to see Tengu again Mm -hmm. in the Great Serpent Shrine. 
uh, now there is another lone shadow, right? Yes, Masanaga, the spear bearer. Okay, yeah, tell me about this guy. You told me, we were, we were texting about this, and then you you said, you can't forget this guy, he's important. So tell me, why is he, he is, so well, important? He is, because he actually like gets really mad. Like, he says something to you that doesn't quite make sense. He's like, talks about how he's getting revenge for someone. Mm-hmm. It, remember, his literal translation is spear leg. So, like, his kicks hit so hard, it's like its own weapon, essentially. Oh, okay. Which kind of makes sense because the um the final kick of their kick combo is like a, a thrust. Yeah. But he basically says to you, he if you have to eavesdrop on him, mm-hmm. um, because he just talks about Masanari. He, he says, Masanari, I never would have believed a man of your ability could be slain. It appears as though a demon lurks within Ashina. So we don't know who Masanari is at that point. But this guy imbues a sugar, which is not the first time you've ever seen an enemy use a sugar. But I think it's the first time we've seen someone outside of Sembo use yeah, a sugar. Yeah, Lone Shadow. Yeah, we've seen we've never seen a Lone Shadow use a sugar. Terrifying. He also has dogs at the front. Mm-hmm. Which I'm assuming if you try to come in from the back and avoid the dogs that like I mean, I've never had that problem. But if you try to come in from the back and avoid the dogs, he'll call them over. Oh, probably, yeah. So this is Masanaga. He's upset about Masanari. Yes. Very similar names there. Uh, I mean, because they're named after their father, they take. I think pretty sure they take one of the kanji from their father. Right. They're um, all. They're all uh, brothers. Is it? Do you think they're all actual brothers, or do you think it's like yes. when you become no, a? I, oh, really? I, I dead ass think they're all related. Okay. They might not have the same mother, but they mm-hmm. might, you know, they might be like half brothers. Yeah, their dad, this like high ninja, he gets around. Hattori Hanzo? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does. He's a ladies' man. <laughs> yes, he does. I mean, it's totally my opinion, but I think they're related. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's a, a new fight. Man, I didn't, uh, uh, I, I think he's like the least fought mini boss of mine because I he's never hard. think to go down there. He's actually hard. I think he uses Yashariku sugar. Oh, geez. That's terrifying. That's the, and it doesn't do the same thing to him that it does to you, the half health thing. Yes. But yeah, that'll make him hit like a fucking truck. Because you actually fight him later on again in optional content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't say anything to you originally. Also, he's a poison guy. He uses poison. Oh, yeah, I thought that was only Vile Hand who we're about to talk about. But uh, I guess there's multiples that have that poison hand technique. Yes, Vile Hand as well as the dude. Also, it does take some of his health off the the sugar. Does it really? Um, yes, a little bit. Not half of it, just some of it. But he hits like a truck, so you got to be really careful. Yeah, that's such great attention to detail, though. But still, he he's one of the, bl- like a lot of the white hooded ones use poison Mm -hmm. i think it's just vile hand and the spear bearer that use uh poison out of the actual lone shadows yes because masanari uses uh poison and he's he's got a white hood Mm, okay oh okay so he's mourning masanari or avenging he wants to avenge masanari yes which is weird because we don't know shit about who who the fuck is that no clue like we don't know who that is and he's the one who uses a Yashiriku, though. Yashiriku, yes. of course, that uh, that candy comes from a uh, one of the headless that mm-hmm. has a twin, right? That they lost. Yes. 
So it makes sense that he's the one mourning someone or avenging them. And he's the one who has that sugar. Oh, that's so good. Oh, I love it. Okay, well, that's about as far down as we're going to go this time. But we have uh, one more person to go. We go back up the tower, up, 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 past all of the uh, Ishin students fighting off the inner ministry people. Mm -hmm. It's kind of funny that uh, Ishin isn't there because he would really like to be in that combat. Oh, no, Emma is watching him like a hawk. Like you, if you go into his room, (laughs) Ishin is there with Emma and Emma's kind of staring him down like, you better fucking not. Don't. You better stay put, bitch. I can go take care of them if necessary, but you need to rest, idiot. Yeah, I think it's funny because she like complains about him technically like I can never fucking keep this guy together because he just does what he wants and it pisses me off. You know, if you go through that one, uh, the little armory room, right, Mm -hmm. you can see a lone shadow fighting the night jars Mm -hmm. and then you can go up and see Ishin who, interestingly enough, if you hand him, I think it's the monkey booze Mm because he calls it Shura wine. Mm. But he basically tells you, if you fuck around, you're going to find out, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is amazing. I I'll love put it. You down. Yeah. He he tells him, like, you better not like t- step a foot out of line. Otherwise, I will have no problem killing you. He didn't do it to Sekijo. He cut off his arm, but he didn't kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, since Wolf has his arm cut off, it's just like, okay, well, that was the fail safe. But he really liked Sekijo. They fought together, I think, for years. Yes, they they knew each other well, obviously. And you know, Ishin's not a heartless guy, but he, you know, he has a conscience. But you know, he doesn't hesitate to technically, quote unquote, do the right thing. Mm-hmm. You know, most people don't. Take the Shura route. I'm hoping they don't take that route. (laughs) (laughs) I think some people do it by mistake because they're clicking through dialogue and you can't go back. You really make that decision there. Yeah, but okay, let's get to that decision. So Ishin is holed up in his room. Emma's making sure. So we can go into where we used to fight the Ashina elite. uh, Mm -hmm. And now we find another lone shadow there, Vilehand. And I think most people... They miss the inner ministry shinobi in the room. You end and you end up getting double teamed by these guys. And then I think think (laughs) sorry. (laughs) Most people they die there and then they go, hmm, I wonder if I could puppeteer that guy and turn the tables on this. And then it becomes a two-on-one fight in your favor. And it becomes real fun to try to manage that. I mean, I like the puppeteer ninjutsu. I think this is the best one to use it for mm-hmm. beyond um, the final double boss, the double samurai boss before Genichiro, the optional one. Oh, yes. The uh, spear and the general. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but this one, this one's totally just like a normal own shadow, just with two health bars. There's there's nothing really, really unique about him. I'm assuming they're calling him, calling him Vile Hand because of his affinity to poison and the fact that his left hand is shriveled the fuck up. Oh, because he's been using poisons with that hand. Yeah, I, I'm assuming he's like a poison specialist. You're there, he does like not great stuff, but... <laughs> It's what not do you mean? Like he jacks crime? off too much? No, war crimes. Is that a war crime to jack off too much? I mean, it depends the context, I guess. No, he's just, you know, he could just be more of a war criminal than everyone else. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We're not going there. So what, what war crimes would make his hand shrivel up? Jacking off. 
<laughs> remember kids it's not the jacking off that makes it a war crime it's what you're jacking off to that makes it a war crime <laughs> it's the context okay so nothing too special about this vile hand i do like the name vile hand i hate the arena now if you want to talk about arenas i hate fighting in it's that one. Oh, I really? really i really don't like fighting in that it's real I, small. I think the optionally is fine in that room, but fighting the Shinobi in that room is such a pain. Oh my god, they're so fast. They can cover so much distance. Yeah, they're they're just ugh. They've got that high monk kick. They've got they can also like cover half the room with just their double sword swipe. Yeah. Yeah, it ain't for the CQC. <laughs> and then regardless of the route we take. We can go past this guy or we can go visit uh, Yishin and then climb on top of the building. But we come up to the top of the tower. There's a familiar scene. But instead of uh, Genichiro asking Kuro for an immortal oath. Now, my lord, I must ask that you accompany me. This old bird has but one desire, to protect the divine heir from those that might take his esteemed blood. Now it's the presumably dead owl. Dun, dun, dun. I can't believe he's alive after his Oscar winning performance. After we found that bottle of ketchup Hirata. next to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, he got that fake. He got that party city fake blood going on. <laughs> the real convincing stuff. Yes, Born real Sarah. convincing shit. Well, it's more like, what the f- Like, kudos, like, what the fuck do you want, dude? Like, leave me alone. He gets so sassy with owl. Mm hmm. He's so confident. He's a good negotiator because Kuro's like, you can't hurt me. But like, if if I succumb to you, that's when I lose. Yeah, no, it's just more of a, he's just like, oh yeah, it's tempted you as well. Fuck off. (laughs) And Owl's like, well, the sunset is nice. So I'm just going to stay here for a little while, I guess. So it's, it's literally like, (laughs) I always thought of it as like one of those unwanted house guests that like you keep making motions to get them out of the house and they're just they keep talking to you yeah you know what i mean yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. like okay yeah no i really gotta get to bed soon oh yeah me too i have uh this in the morning and then later on this week i also have to do it's like oh get out of my house up yeah exactly so owl man with the owl plan is alive but (laughs) wolf approaches him and he's like how are you alive? And he's like, it was by design. It's like, okay, but you faked your death, dude. That was by design. You're supposed to be my dad. Yes, you're supposed to be my dad. So he, as his dad, invokes the right of the Iron Code and tells him to abandon Kudo as his master. Remember the first rule of the code. Mm-hmm. And follow him instead. And we get the choice of betray Kudo or betray dad Mm -hmm. and obviously most people were like oh fuck no we're not we're not being with dad yeah people have been waiting for the opportunity Uh, dude i yeah i could not wait i was like yeah good kill my dad so he he is such like an old decrepit fuck so it just he doesn't technically look intimidating beyond the size obviously Mm mm-hmm Cause he's huge. He's tall. He's probably the biggest person in. I think so too. And it's really kind of enunciated through Wolf's lack of size. So, you know, Al starts crying. (laughs) Why, boy? He he basically just starts like, "Why won't you obey your father?" (laughs) And Wolf 
basically just goes, um, it's up to me as an adult to make my own decisions, actually. Bye. Mm. And Owl continues to fake cry and Wolf is able, like, he starts to get up and draw his sword and Wolf has learned from the past to expect that shit from him. So he blocks his sword and he just says, hmm, you've gotten a little better, but, like, you still suck shit. So they they duke it out. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's fight your dad 2K19. Fight your dad on top of a tower. Yes, uh, fight your dad. I had no problem fighting him the first time mm-hmm. but from then on i always struggle with this fight because mm-hmm. he, uh, he just throws a lot of shit at you he obviously doesn't fight fair yeah he's a fucking cheater isn't he cool i think that's great i think he's a great curveball to throw at the player without it being like unfair it's just the the anti-healing mechanism uh as well as the kunai he again hits like a truck. His sword has such reach mm-hmm. that, like, you think you're well away from it, and you're you're really not. Oh yeah, uh, he has several different basic hit combos, like two or three hit combos, but they have different timing each of them, so that he can kind of mix them up and catch you off guard. Yeah, something to know about his design besides the cool feathers, um, like the little feather vest he has. Is his hair? Yes, it's huge. He's been growing yes. it since birth, baby. <laughs> Probably, and and I think like that's like to denote like that's a clan aspect because Lady Butterfly also had very long braided hair, right? So I'm assuming that actually has to do with the clan itself. I mean, if anyone has seen or watched Game of Thrones, there's this sort of like the Dothraki. If they lose a, a fight, they have to cut off their braid. So a lot of people have pointed to the reason why Wolf's hair is so short is because he cut his hair off at some oh. point. It would be funny if he had cut it off. Like, we don't know when, but if he had cut it off when uh, the attack on Hirata happened and he died because um, he technically failed. But it's funny because he technically wins all his fights that he knows he's fighting there, but he just gets stabbed in the back. And he's like, well... That means I lost. He could have had long hair at one point and just because he was like adopted into the clan per se. Absolutely. Also, Owl has like some big, like a big ass scar across his face. Big mm-hmm. one. And that was there. So because like we have, con- it's awesome. We have concept art of young, younger Owl. Mm-hmm. When he first met Wolf on the battlefield, he's chunky. He's big. Like, you know, he's a little skinnier now that he's older, but he's like buff. Big dude. Practically a tarot trooper. But he also has that he also has that scar over his face. Mm-hmm. But uh, an interesting thing about Owl is that he probably looked at Wolf as obviously only a tool. Mm-hmm. But he has a pretty simple design. There's nothing like really, really standout-ish about it beyond the hair and the vest. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's gigantic with a big sword. Yeah, I mean, he looks like a proper shinobi. He has all sorts of little pouches and things yes. hanging off of him uh, that he's pulling all of his tricks out of. Well, well, let's put it this way. I don't want to say it's not unique because it is actually a very unique design. It's, it's synonymous with what we've seen before. Mm-hmm. But he's obviously like, old and like can still kick your ass which is pretty phenomenal um and a common theme throughout this whole game i love how his his appearance is simultaneously deceptive and uh illustrative like he's maybe the biggest enemy not enemy but like the biggest person maybe in the game which 
conveys his ego. You're like, oh, well, he's serving the inner ministry or, oh, he's serving Ashina or he's serving Ishin. He's at least Ishin Shinobi. But really, his ego is like, someday I'm going to be top dog. I'm yes. going to own everything, Agreed. whether it's through the prowess of my son or getting the immortal oath through Kuro. Like, I'm going to rule Ashina and maybe the whole country. Well, the reason why Wolf has this scar across his face is because of Owl. Oh my gosh. So why does Owl have the scar across his face? Maybe his father? I have no clue. Okay. But Wolf receives that scar because, uh, who do you call it? Owl oh. is looking for some uh, child with at least some connection to the divine lineage. Right, because the uh, a divine child won't bleed, right? Yes, correct. Also, the way Owl stalks around the whole uh, arena is awesome. Mm-hmm. Another tool that I like had to unlearn was you cannot charge attack him anymore no you can never throw isn't that cool that's great i think it's so scummy like you try to charge attack him and he'll nakiri counter you yeah the way he uses he uses several techniques that you learn from the shinobi esoteric text like yes he does the makiri counter he does the the follow-up slash like he can throw the shuriken and then do a follow-up slash on it the chasing slice yes um i'm trying to remember if there's any other specific things he does uh he'll pin you to the ground with his foot oh yeah he can do a if he posture breaks you he can do a shinobi death blow in the way that nobody else can it's cool he does it really like smoothly too like very slowly and methodically he also you can run into this in the first stage he'll um he'll do the gunpowder he'll throw the the firecrackers and gunpowder across the the arc of his swing mm-hmm. that one's like okay that's a shinobi tool because he he uses a lot of shinobi tools his firecrackers deal damage which really pisses me off if you know how to dodge the attack it's easy to avoid and you can get a lot of hits in on him yeah it's one of those uh i love those moments in from software games is that attack when he starts using it the throw firecrackers and then i think it's a it's either one or two hits after that. It starts out as like, whenever I see that attack, I'm like, well, the fight's over, I'm dead. To learning how to counter it and then like looking forward to seeing that attack. Because you see it and you're like, oh, I dodge this way and then I get a couple free hits in. All right. Um, When he kills you, mm-hmm. he spouts off the rules of the iron code. So cool. Uh, number one, the parent is absolute. Their will must be obeyed. Oh, mm-hmm. and he also is like, yeah, I'm sensing some insubordination. Aha! <laughs> yes, you are, father. I'm in my rebellious phase. <laughs> I'm a teenager. Uh, Thank you very much. Look at me. Look at me. I am the captain now. <laughs> uh, I also have to shout out to like Darren DePaul, who voices the English voice. That's um, if anyone knows who that is, that's actually um, the guy who voices Arden Nazunia in Final Fantasy. Which That's Final Fantasy? 15. <laughs> oh, 15. Okay, I never played it. Uh, or no, I'm sorry. I played uh, five minutes of it. Uh, <laughs> I pushed a car for five minutes yes. and I was like, well, maybe this isn't yeah. the game for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he's he got a, a semi-unique voice, so mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Um, t- the second one is, two: the master is absolute. You give your life to keep him safe. You bring him back at any cost. At this rate, you lose him again. Mm-hmm. Saying that if you lose, he's going to take him, which is like, oh, that's high stakes. Yeah, he's just like needling you. He's like, you're not doing so well, huh, Wolf? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, 
he um he also says um and this one is a little harder to get because it's if you get killed like a third time yeah i think you have to use a jesus statue yes yes it's uh three fear is absolute there's no shame in losing one battle but you must take revenge by any means necessary i wonder if you've got it in you to bring me down so fear is absolute kind of means like everyone's afraid everyone's afraid of something it doesn't matter who you are you know, and you can be afraid of failure, but you have to pick yourself up again, essentially. But also, obviously, in the literal sense, there's no shame in losing one battle, but you must take revenge by any means necessary, which kind of puts a semi-personal spin on why, why the fight with Genichiro happens besides him having your kid. Oh, yes. But these are actually based on the 10 ideals of a ninja. Okay. It is from the Bonsen Shukai, which is like the handbook and a collection of knowledge from the Iga and Kogu clans. Oh. But the the 10 ideals is to maintain, maintain a strong body, body with loyalty, bravery, stratagem, skills, and belief, to be gentle and faithful with less desire to value academies, to remember obligations, to be eloquent, to read domestic and foreign foreign books, to be wise enough not to be cheated by anyone to know providence, to master the teachings of Buddhism and Confucianism, and to oh. realize one's destiny, to respect ancient domestic and foreign ethos, to wear a heroic temper, to be called a good man usually without arguing with anyone, to have a tidy family and relatives, never to betray anyone and abuse ninjutsu, to travel around all countries and to know the customs and manners of each land well, to have a talent for literature, to excel in writing and to possess a talent for and keen understanding of military affairs, to acquire artistic accomplishments like singing and dancing traditional Japanese music, making impressions of others and to utilize them when necessary. Oh, they really wanted Shinobi to be well-rounded people. (laughs) I I think of them as so specialized. Technically, I think that we've definitely broken. We've definitely broken some of these ideals by now. Yeah, as has as has Owl. Owl's definitely like, hey, these are the things you're supposed to live by, and you're like, do you live by them? It's like that's not the point. Yeah, no, I I think that Owl is classic narcissistic parent. Absolutely. Um, he's like the perfect example of a narcissistic parent. I don't know if anyone has dealt with a narcissistic parent I mean, at, at all, but he's they're they're like owl, minus the killing, yeah. minus the killing you. Hopefully, <laughs> he's um, a he's a higher stakes version yes, of the narcissistic he is, parent. He yeah. is built different. Um, and speaking of, he feigns. So like you fight him in the first phase, and then for with the one, and he gets down on the floor. And he's like, oh, please wait. Like, don't kill me. And of course, if you go at him, he produces a smoke bomb and he goes, it warms my heart to see you essentially wising up. It warms my heart, Wolf, to see how you've grown. (laughs) So essentially, like, you know his bullshit by now, which is so great. And that's like one of the only positive things he ever says to you. (laughs) Yeah, isn't it great? He's like, hey, you saw through my bullshit. I'm so proud of you. Yeah, now he throws poison on the ground. Oh my gosh, yeah. He's like, you have healing and immortality. I'm going to double down on my anti-healing tech. Because he's got the little ball he throws at you. And now he's also just spreading poison. I really hate that thing. Oh yeah. Although to be fair, I've had plenty of instances where I just like go in. I'm just like, whatever, healing is not important. Oh yeah, if you've got the timing down and you can stay aggressive... Like him throwing the ball can just be extra hits for you. I think besides that, it's just the smoke bomb 
and the poison, which is so annoying because he just covers the fucking arena. And like, you'll just have like several pools of poison that refuse to go away and you can't even fight them anywhere Mm -hmm. unless you're on poison. Yeah, it's rough. And because he's so fast, he can cover so much distance. Like once you're poisoned, it's almost not worth it to try to cure yourself. He also does the posture recovery move. Um, He just kind of... Uh, strikes a pose with the the glowing the glowing aura and heals his posture damage. He centers some, himself. Other, he is Ashina after all. Other, I forgot to say that there's actually the inner ministry shinobis do that. Oh, I, I forgot they do that. Um, they also strike that pose. I don't know if they learned it from Al or if that's just an inherent shinobi thing or what. Mm-hmm. But considering they're associated, it could be either either or. But you. You beat up Owl, and Wolf says, Death of a Shadow, you taught me well. And mm-hmm. Owl says, that's my boy, which uh, the first time I beat him, it just, like, sent me into tears. I was just really, I was very upset. Um, yeah. I know he's a sh- piece of shit, but, you know, it it really kind of made me, like, a little, little misty-eyed. Yeah, and, you know, he's, like, super ego-driven, but it makes him similar to other ego-driven characters, like I always use the example of like Vegeta from Dragon Ball Z. Like he says, I want to be the best. I want to be the very best. I want to be, you know, the top dog. But really what he wants is he wants to do his best. He wants to know that he tried his best, that he pushed his body to the limit. And the only way to ever know that is if you lose. And so like Al may be telling himself, I want to rule the country, but what he really wants is the best opponent he can find. He wants to test his his own guile, his own strength, his own speed. And so when you kill him, that's like probably the happiest moment of his life. Yeah, well, we we actually get that, obviously, in one of the routes for one of the endings where mm-hmm. it's mentioned that he really does want that. Mm. But it's actually interesting because... You know who else is like that? Who? Ishin. Oh. Um, Ishin also wanted a worthy opponent and could never find one. And then at the end, he obviously does. And I think Ishin is more honest with himself about it. He yes, understands that so. about himself. Whereas Owl, you know, he's lying to everyone, but I think he's lying to himself most of all. I think that Owl, obviously, it's this deep down thing because we really do explore it deep down. Mm-hmm. But deep down, he really does want his son to surpass. Not just like anyone. He actually wants his son to surpass him. Yes. And that's, you know, that's a sort of like leftover lineage sort of thing. Like he he also kind of said in one of the endings, he said he wants his essentially wants his name to be famous. Yeah. Because he says his full name. Yes. Uh, Ukonzaimun Usui. 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 Which is the same name as the forest, right? Yes, Usui's mm. forest. He say, he wants like some sort of fame and glory mm-hmm. and to be like, like you said, like, I'm going to be the guy on top now. But he also possibly saw that through Wolf. Like, again, he is still like a tool to Owl in the sense that it's like a dance bombs, you know, where like that's their vehicle for... That's the vehicle for becoming, you know, famous or becoming successful. Mm-hmm. Their child, you know, like a narcissistic parent. Oh my yeah. god, living vicariously. Absolutely. Oh my god. But he, he definitely, it's it's a legacy thing for him as well. Beyond like the thrill of battle, it's like, well, 
I might not go down in history, but my son will. That's for sure. Yeah. And as like shitty as Owl is, I don't think that Owl thinks he's a villain. I don't think that he thinks he's a bad father. I no, 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 he definitely does not. You know, like the the model of fatherhood that was passed down to him is just as shitty as what he's doing to Wolf. And so he thinks he's doing the right thing by toughening Wolf up, by making sure that Wolf can see through any deception, that making sure that Wolf can overcome any enemy physically. And seeing Wolf win, that's uh, a justification to him that he did the right thing. He raised Wolf the right way. And it's funny that we don't know where the the slash across his eye comes from. Now I want to believe that that came from his father. As brutal as he is to Wolf, that's how brutal his clan, his father was to him. And so it's a justification of that abuse, of that trauma is like, well, it made me a better person and it's going to make my son a better person too. I also want to point out the fact that he, uh, it, it's this whole game is about uh, one of the, I think definitely one of the main themes if not the undertone of uh, breaking generational curses yes literal breaking literal curses and generational curses yes overcoming the cycle so wolf being better than his father and making the right decision and being chivalrous and and good and having sympathy because even even owl was like uh, a shinobi showing the lights of sympathy. Disgusting, you know. Mm-hmm. So Wolf taking the time to break from that is is that's breaking a generational curse for him because he wasn't shown that kind of love or sympathy growing up. Oh, yeah. The, the narrative uh, framing is so good because this is where you overcome Owl physically, but it's also where you overcome him uh, culturally, so- socially. Because he thinks the best way to raise his son is to keep the cycle going, do the same thing to his son that was done to him. And you surpass him both physically and uh, emotionally, uh, socially, because you you overcome that cycle. You say, you know, Kuro's not my son, but I'm going to save him. I'm going to raise him in a better way than you raised me. So good. Ugh. Yeah, Owl is awesome. He's in like he's awful, obviously, but like as a character, he will always have a place in my brain. Awful and uh, the the awesome kind of awful. Yeah, exactly. Just just wonderful. And I love that. Uh, I'm glad you brought it up that the three things he says to you: the parent is absolute, the master, the lord is absolute, and then fear is absolute. He's saying like all of the three of these things are true, and. You know, there's the old hackneyed saying, a person cannot serve two masters. Well, they certainly can't serve three. And uh, uh, Wolf has to make that choice. One of these three has to be true. And so he also, he overcomes his father in order to serve Kuro, to, to save Kuro and raise him. But he also overcomes fear. He chooses one of those three options. It's great. It's so good. Yeah. I, I think like a lot of interesting story shit and revelations come up on the top of that tower. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, two two very big important moments in Wolf's life are on top of that tower. Uh, yeah, he overcomes his foil and he overcomes his father there. Two Fs. 
And then if you choose the, we're not going to talk about it now because we're going to do an episode on the alternate endings, but uh, you can also overcome your uh, benefactor, Ishin, and your your aide, uh, uh, your doctor, uh, Emma, on top of this roof. Yeah, she's really the equivalent of the I'm a doctor, but... <laughs> Yeah, I almost wish we were going to talk about her here. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I also want to mention what Owl drops. Because mm. he drops more than one thing. Oh, no, he drops the he drops one thing, but you get another thing from, from Emma later. Yes. The Everblossom branch. Mm-hmm. Emma had mentioned before that it had died. Yes. Uh, the tree it came off of, right? Yes. Yes. The tree it came off of had died and because someone had taken a branch. And now we know who it was. <laughs> yes. And that and symbolically, the uh the tree lost a branch just like the the dragon loses an arm, and just like we lose an arm, right? Yeah, I think it's implied that the dragon losing the arm is what Takeru took from the Everblossom, because it, you know, the dragon is the divine Everblossom. So right. Takeru took that. And grafted it into a new tree. Interesting. Okay. And that's kind of supercharged that tree, made it into a new ever blossom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And then there's a cool piece of symbolism there that the the piece reflects the whole, right? Like this ever blossom, once the, the limb was grafted onto it, the whole thing becomes an ever blossom. But when you take that limb off, the whole thing dies because the piece of it is just a reflection of the whole. And the one that he's carrying around, it doesn't have any buds on it anymore. It too is in a way dead. But it's all that remains of the tree. Right. And were you able to use it for one of the endings, right? Well, we use it actually, it's an actual incense ingredient. So we need it. We needed it to oh, begin okay. with. That's why. That's how so we, we were lucky there. that he had it. But it's one of the incense ingredients. But talking with Emma and like eavesdropping on Kudo at one point gets you going on the next branch for a different ending. Mm-hmm. And so he's the one who took the limb off of the tree, killing it. Mm hmm. Did he do that as a, like, is there evidence that he took this Everblossom uh, uh, limb uh, in order to slow his own aging somehow? Considering it's like an incense ingredient, it either could have been a form of sabotage. Um, it could have been a form of bribery. Oh. It, like, Owl could have been like, hey, so I'm going to kill your tree unless we graft this branch back on. Um, make me immortal. And Takaru obviously said no. Um, but that's obviously not, we don't know if that happened or because it's part of the incense ingredients, he kept it for himself to possibly make his own incense because oh. listen, remember how we saw the owl feathers in the gun fort? Yes. Very then, suspicious. Yes. So he could have been looking for the incense ingredients himself. Aha. Uh, with how big he is, it really speaks to how good of a shinobi he is, but also it lends even more importance to that final line, death of a shadow. Mm -hmm. Ugh. I mean, it's interesting how he's like a good shinobi being a big fuck. Yes, I love, I, I, I don't know that we actually said it, but like that's another beautiful piece of deception. Like his size denotes his ego, but also it belies his speed. You're like, oh, he's a big dude, like a tarot trooper. He'll at least be lumbering and strong. Nope, and like, he's nope, fast. He's maybe he's the fastest person He's old, person but he's got to go fast. Yes, he's, he's a little Sonic. 
Okay, any last things we want to say about Owl or this section? He's a piece of shit. <laughs> That's all. He's a garbage bag. I don't Can't like him. Too many times. He's great. No, I cannot enunciate enough how terrible he is. He's a well-written villain, but he is a villain. Yeah. He serves us in that he shows us the exact opposite things to do as a father to Kuro. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> I hope I'll never be like, if I ever have a kid, I'll never be like Owl. <laughs> yeah. he He's a good lighthouse. Oh, man. Okay. Well, we, we have to go up to the Divine Realm next. I'm excited. I can't wait to not shut the fuck up about um, Fountainhead. Yes, uh, Fountainhead's going to be fun. And then eventually, I, talking about Owl makes me really want to talk about the the alternate stuff. Yes, um, absolutely. And I think we'll dedicate a whole episode to different endings. Yes. Probably towards the end because the final Ashina Castle one is not, it's not too full, but you know that'll probably be the longer episode because it, it, it'll be good to talk about those. All right. Pen, pen, pals. That's my boy. boy.